Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. With the recent wave of extreme cold weather, it is not hard to imagine what it must be like when you don't have shelter. Once again, local organizers of the coldest night of the year are asking for support. The Walkathon hopes to raise more than just money. It hopes to increase people's understanding of the hardships many people face, especially when they don't have a home or enough food or can't find enough resources to live. You will hear Phil Redford, organizer of the walk, talk about the event and its goals. What is shocking is the number of seniors in Northumberland who are finding themselves homeless living in their vehicles with nowhere to go. You will want to hear more. I'm so pleased to have with me today Phil Redford, Event Director for Coldest Night of the Year for Northumberland. Welcome to Consider This. Thank you so much, Robert. It's uh, nice of you to have me, and I'm really happy to be here. For those who may not know what the Coldest Night of the Year is, can you explain what it's all about? Absolutely. Uh, Coldest Night of the Year is a national charity walk. There's over 150 locations in Canada. Um, Each walk uses a series of teams with captains. Uh, Walkers collect donations from donors. We always walk uh, the final weekend of February uh, just to give an impression of what it feels like to be hungry, hurting, and homeless out in the cold. All of the money that's raised by our walkers and our fantastic team captains stays in Port Hope and Northumberland. So in each location, those teams are walking for a charity in their town, county, or geographic region. It's been very successful over the years, and the awareness is growing. We walk for the Greenwood Coalition in Port Hope, uh, which is a grassroots organization. We walk directly with the hungry, hurting, and homeless. So all of that money goes to support our programs. Now, when did the local walk come about? Absolutely. Our first uh, local walk took place in 2014-2015, so we've been participating for eight years so far. Um, And it was like a small affair. It started uh, with Greenwood Coalition and the help of uh, a Grace Church pastor, uh, who was then the uh, event director. And it's grown steadily. Uh, I believe our first year brought in about 14 or 15,000, and it's grown steadily so that uh, last year we we brought in over 103,000. So that gives you an idea of the, the kind of historical reality and awareness we've been dealing with. So what's happening this year? Uh, I know, again, this has been impacted by the pandemic. 
Is it going to be different from last year? Is it going to be in person? Is it going to be virtual? That's an excellent question. I'm really happy to give an answer that uh, tells you it's going to be a blended event, as a matter of fact. So we do have uh, about 20% of our walkers and teams have signed up for the virtual aspect of the walk, which means that really starting now, uh, virtual walkers can do their own 2K or 5K walks uh, where they choose, around their own communities, send in uh, photos and things like that. So for those folks who are a little hesitant to gather, the, uh, we've accommodated that. Uh, about 80% of the folks who've signed up uh, have signed up for our in-person event, uh, which will be taking place this year. Uh, however, just a heads up to folks, it's not going to be indoors at all. So it will be in-person, fully COVID-compliant, but it will take place entirely outdoors. Uh, so how are you go what are going to be the safety protocols for that, just so that people understand clearly? That's a very good question. We will not be uh, instituting a mass start. So within keeping uh, in terms of uh, the assembly restrictions, we will make sure that at no time at the start uh, will there be people gathering greater than that number. We will have volunteer personnel ensuring that everyone is masked because anyone approaching the welcome desk will have to be fully masked in the areas where start and finish occur. Uh, and we will be releasing in groups uh, small enough. So closer to the date of the in-person walk, uh, captains teams will be contacted by email and we will also be posting on the website instructions for the timing for our start. Also, when people reach our rest stop, and a big shout out to Adam Pearson at Queenie's Bake Shop in Port Hope, which is uh, going to provide us with an outdoor rest stop, uh, people will uh, once again be required to be fully masked when they approach the rest stop. Uh, small pre-wrapped snacks, fully sealed items will be given, but people will be encouraged to keep moving so that there isn't the prospect of large numbers gathering. Now, how far do people have to walk to participate? Another excellent question. Uh, we have two uh, mapped routes. They're both fully on the website. So if people go to our website at cnoy.org slash porthope, scroll to the bottom and the maps are both there for the 2K and the 5K walk. Most of our walkers have signed up for the 5K. Uh, both walks follow the same route until the rest stop uh, and then the routes diverge with the 2K going straight back uh, to the start and the 5K continuing on up Walton Street and around over to Dorset and back. Uh, and as I said, both maps are up on the website so walkers can clearly see where they're going to be walking. Now you've mentioned teams. Yes. Can you explain how that teams thing works? Absolutely. One of the big successes of Coldest Night of the Year is the fact that we work in teams. 
Each team is a gathering of individuals, either in a workplace, a church, it could be a social club, a group organization, uh, and we find one person who volunteers themselves as the captain. The captain's duties are to encourage the team and to take correspondence from either myself, the event director, or anyone else on the coldest night team. That gives us one contact person who can then disseminate the uh, the information. Uh, and what that does also is it, it kind of encourages awareness because uh, I found over the years the captains talk to each other, uh, they talk to their groups, people experience this really kind of wonderful experience on the 26th this year uh, and, and really kind of get a feeling for that. That kind of solidarity in the team aspect, I feel really, uh, you know, increases not only the awareness, but let's face it, the donations as well. Now, if I'm an individual, can I still participate? Absolutely. We have teams of one or two. Uh, it's really easy to participate. Uh, simply go to that website, cnoy.org slash porthope, all one word, no capitals, and our website will open. Uh, there's a banner across the top with a little icon for the menu, those little horizontal bars, drop down. Everything is right there with large icons uh, indicating how people can donate, join a team, register to walk, and it's quite possible to register as an individual. If people really like that idea of joining a team, we do have our Greenwood Gang team. Uh, it's kind of our generic uh, catch-all team, and folks are absolutely welcome to join the Greenwood Gang team as well. Can you tell me a, a bit more about some of these teams? I was looking at the list, and, and they've come from a, quite a diverse uh, cross-section of Northumberland. Absolutely, they do. Uh, over the years, uh, I and my predecessor, Judy Holm, she was the previous uh, event director, and boy, did she train me well. A big shout-out to Judy. Um, we, we really decided that in a diverse community, we really needed to reflect a diversity of teams. So we approached um, real estate firms, automobile uh, dealerships, um, restaurants, although we've got very easy on the restaurants this year, given what they've uh, been going through, uh, churches, uh, service groups, social clubs. So we really premeditatedly targeted as wide a diversity of, of folks for our teams as we could. I am so happy to say that once again this year, we even have teams uh, of healthcare professionals and first responders. I, I mean, you know, can you imagine, even the, given the stresses that they're under right now, they still really believe in our cause. And, and so, yeah, we really have tried to reflect that diversity in our teams. Before you were uh, an organizer, were you a participant? And I'd like to know what it was like to be a participant in this event. Can you describe what it's like from that perspective? Absolutely. Uh, the first couple of years,
was like I, I in fact was a walker uh, on on my church team, uh, and uh, I can't tell you the fun that that I had. It was very very uh, challenging in that those toes tend to get a little cold about halfway through the walk, and it really gave me the opportunity to reflect on what it must feel like for individuals down on their luck or otherwise not housed properly uh, and the fact that for them they don't get to go home to uh, a warm cup of cocoa or a, you know a, a roaring fire and that sort of thing so it not only gave me the feeling of solidarity for a cause but actually trying to experience what those were trying to help experience and I think that's really important so I really kind of fell in love with the idea of coldest night of the year um, also you know the fact that so much of the money that we raise stays right in the community I took as a participant that kind of pride with me as well so it really can come right down to the local community level which is what I really believed in at the time and that just gave me a feeling of, of warmth, solidarity, and, and uh, an ability to, to, to try to do something about it and to make a difference. From an organizer's perspective, what is uh, involved in putting this all together? That's a wonderful question. It's an enormous amount of work, and I am so happy that I have a solid team behind me, both uh, from the board level of Greenwood Coalition right down to the individual level of volunteers, because it takes quite a crew. Uh, we start in September. Uh, we begin charting out courses. We meet with our personal team here, uh, and uh, we decide, A, are we participating again? And, of course, that doesn't take long. The answer is immediately yes. We then begin to put out the call to our team members and volunteers. We start to solidify the idea behind the routes we're going to take, what changes we might make, uh, and, and what uh, service clubs we're going to approach. Through October and November, we begin to contact the captains, previous captains, captains even in past years who may have chosen not to uh, participate last year, for example, uh, and we establish that contact. We contact the municipality to talk about the routes and uh, to see if permits are issued, insurance, and that sort of thing. Through December and January, we tend to hit the streets, uh, hit the businesses, really solidify those teams. Uh, and then February is taken up with um, solidifying the volunteer team, making sure uh, goods and services are there and uh, actually physically organizing the space. So it really is an enormous amount of work for a, for a dedicated team to, uh, to keep doing. How much do you hope to raise this year? Well, our goal is 75000 which, given the fact that we hit 103 last year, might seem to some to be a little on the low side, but we thought it might be prudent uh, to test the waters and see whether perhaps last year what was, was kind of anomalous, although given the fact that uh, we are rapidly approaching $30,000 at this point with about 6000 of checks in hand, uh, with 45 teams, we're doing really, really well. So do you anticipate uh, surpassing your goal? 
I certainly hope so. And and given the just the absolute generosity from this community, I feel fairly confident that we will. I, I uh, as I said, I, I'm I'm cautious uh, to to you know set it so high that uh, we may not attain it. But certainly the awareness is there. Uh, I don't find that any longer do I need to keep explaining what Coldest Night is. That that awareness is there, which I believe has spread. And also, I think people are realizing that there's a that there's a real uh, divergence between those of us who have and are homed, and, and those increasing numbers in our society who don't have and, and are <coughs> really precariously housed. Uh, and and that awareness is leading to people understanding that there's only so much that our institutions can do. And perhaps a, a grassroots, boots-on-the-ground organization that can respond immediately is something to support. And, and I'm quite confident that uh, this community continues to support us. From listening to you and all the amount of work that goes into this and, and, and the energy that goes into this, why do you do this? Well, <laughs> again, Robert, that's an excellent question. Um, I, I grew up surrounded by trauma and mental illness. My mother suffered from schizophrenia, uh, and I really, at a young age, experienced what it's like to 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 be precariously housed, uh, to struggle, and I've always had an urge in in myself to to help and to. And to make a difference uh, and throughout my life I've volunteered in, in so many organizations but I must say I've never found anything like coldest night of the year and I, I fully supported it. I guess it's it's part of my DNA I, I was a big brother uh, I, I was a teacher and educator for 32 years I just have an overwhelming sense of wanting to make a difference what do other people say to you about what motivates them to be involved? It's, it's funny you should ask that question because they say mostly what I just said to you. I can't tell you how many times people say to me, I want to make a difference. We've got to try to do something. I, I think that people are realizing that we have reached a kind of limit to what our institutions are capable of doing. And, and other organizations, right from the community level, simply have to take over and, 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 and do something. And I think it's right down at that local community level where some of the biggest successes can happen. And I think people realize that. We've talked about this a little bit, but I want to explore it a little bit more. We see a lot of people having fun and raising money. But behind this, as you've already mentioned, is a serious issue in Northumberland County. Uh, let's talk about homelessness for a moment. Um, we've watched since the beginning of January... The county is operating an overnight warming center between Transition House and St. Peter's Church in Coburg. It's the only overnight uh, warming center available in the entire county. The CCC is opened during the day in Coburg uh, when it's extremely cold. Uh, Port Hope Parks and Recreation Center is acting as a warming center in the western part of the county. 
What is your experience in seeing homelessness in the community? And what is your understanding? You've mentioned a bit about institutionals doing so much and the Greenwood Coalition as a grassroots organization doing things. But what has been your experience? What is your knowledge of homelessness and what these people go through, especially this time of year when there's been so many extreme cold warnings? Absolutely. And my heart goes out to our, our more vulnerable people in our community who, who must rely on those sorts of things. What we've noticed at Greenwood Coalition is that, you know, the safe and affordable housing issue is is just huge. The, the kind of rapid gentrification that we're seeing both in Coburg and Port Hope and indeed across our country is that pattern where people, long-time residents, are being displaced. So, in, in addition to the traditional kind of, uh, I, I guess, uh, stereotypical homelessness uh, that is often driven by trauma, uh, opioid epidemics, and the like, we're also seeing good working uh, folks really, really struggling. Uh, Long-time residents uh, being sort of gentrified out and unable any longer to afford to live in their own communities. And so uh, that is really changing the face of what homelessness looks like. Homelessness can be anything from a series of cots to a series of couches, uh, people living in cars, people living rough in tents. Uh, and, And what we're finding in our outreach is that this is really taking an enormous amount of our staff time uh, and often it can be as simple as delivering food, uh, sleeping bags, socks, warm clothes, all kinds of things. Uh, and the, the, the members uh, of the vulnerable just keep growing. I think that as that is changing, people are being displaced more and more. And so perhaps even from outlying rural areas, people are struggling, uh, come into our towns and communities. Uh, you Sure, you can get a cot overnight at a shelter, but by 8 o'clock in the morning, you're out. And And good luck trying to find in in many of our communities uh, proper washroom facilities uh, for the public. And so we really need to think about the struggles that these individuals are having and how we can try to make a difference. Can we build a roof over your head overnight? No, unfortunately not. So it really takes the effort of, of an enormous number of people and, and just an enormous uh, number of staff hours from, uh, from our staff at, at Greenwood. Do you think there is a need for a center or a permanent uh, place that's just not in the winter, not uh, just a warming center for the winter for both day and night, but uh, a larger facility, a permanent facility that would go not just in the winter, but in the summer and and provide uh, a place where people can go um, all year round? Because we talk about this in the summertime too, when there's heat waves and, and people are urged to get out of the heat. Yes, and 
I understand many communities. I know Hamilton, uh, Mississauga is experimenting, uh, Toronto. Um, yes, those, those are, are good ideas as stopgaps and, and would be helpful. But I think really what we really need is all three levels of government, not-for-profit organizations, the private sector as well, to come together on this and to really try to find a longer-term solution. Certainly in the short term, something does absolutely need to be done. We seem to wait till the last minute and then rely on service clubs and the like to throw something together, whereas a planned attempt at uh, constructing facilities and certainly building affordable housing stock that takes on many dimensions, not not simply just traditional. There are all kinds of uh, encouraging things, and I do want to uh, suggest to the listeners as well that we we maintain uh, an optimistic outlook at Greenwood Coalition uh, in terms of whether some of those things can happen. I believe that this pandemic has really shown a light on this, uh, so we really need a, a concerted effort from our levels of government and, and right from the grassroots of communities as well. You alluded to this earlier, and I, I want to come back to it, and that was that you know people participating they go out, their toes get a little cold, their ears might get a little cold, and then they get to go home and, and be warm and have a hot chocolate and, and feel good about themselves. How effective is this event in educating people about homelessness in the community and having them not just be raised in awareness, but um, becoming advocates for the homeless? That's an excellent question. Over the years, we have also targeted teams, uh, teams from Habitat for Humanity. Uh, we have had teams from their Restore uh, and other areas, like uh, the Cramahe um, Food Chair. Uh, because that awareness is absolutely crucial, we've drawn many of our donors and walkers from those communities. What I found is that that really helps spread the message and get people thinking. What really had to occur, I believe, over the years was that people not only needed to think about these things, but actually be exposed to them. So I'm finding when I approach people now, I'm no longer having to spend so much time outlining what the problems really are. People seem to be much more interested in what can we do about it. So even for many of our volunteers, we've drawn permanent help now. Some of our volunteers from Coldest Night have said, well, you know, can I help your organization? What do you need? Uh, so I, I really believe that this spurs people on to, to think about it year-round and to not only look forward to the coming again of, of coldest night of the year, uh, but uh, to also think about how can I make a difference during other times. And so many of our donors from coldest night of the year have in fact become uh, permanent monthly donors at, uh, at Greenwood Coalition and have really sought us out and premeditatedly asked us, you know, what can we do? Remind us one more time, how can people get involved? It's really easy to get involved. 
Uh, once again, the website is cnoy.org slash porthope. That will get you right to our website. The icons are easy to follow. You can join as an individual, join as a team, or you could join our generic Greenwood gang team. Uh, people are also welcome to contact me uh, personally, uh, our website, or sorry, our um, email address is cnoyporthope at gmail.com, and they can even phone me up, 905-376-4771. Phil Redford, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Robert. It's always a pleasure to speak with you, and a and, uh, big shout-out to uh, 89.7 and all the listeners and, and all of our community members and supporters, right from Acme Electric to Canadian Nuclear Labs uh, and all of our sponsors and volunteers. Thank you so much. That was Phil Redford, event director for the coldest night of the year for Northumberland. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me. And I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in. And I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at Consider this Northumberland at gmail.com, or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.